Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not just you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So Jesus prepared his disciples and apostles for the life of ministry and warning them of the many pitfalls that await anyone who chooses to follow him. And there were a lot of challenges they faced day in and day out, but the key was to stay faithful or full of faith until the end. This is how we are instructed to do ministry. Well, in marriage, the same principles apply because marriage is the primary ministry of a person. If you are married, that is your primary ministry between a husband and a wife. And when both spouses submit to the Lord, God's right in the middle, guiding them through life. Jesus sent out his disciples into the world that, for the most part, does not honor him or care for the things of God. And in this world, we are instructed to be wise and innocent, despite the wolves that want to tear us apart. And how many marriages in your personal circle have been destroyed because of lack of wisdom, people doing the dumbest things that ruin their marriage. I watched a documentary recently on a famous person that in his early years of fame, he partied up. He's one of those guys that was known for partying and and doing a lot of drugs. And along with all the adultery he was committing, he contracted herpes. That doesn't do a whole lot for marriage. That's one of those dumb things and the devil got him. The devil destroyed that marriage. No problem. All I got to do is get you thinking about yourself and thinking about living life to the fullest. Forget about your spouse. You do what's best for you, buddy. And it worked. And I know people who have blown all of their money on living a lavish life, even though they don't make a lot of money. And what happens? It ruins the marriage. The devil comes in and devours another marriage, and all the while laughing hysterically as the couple's lives crumble. Many times in the Gospels, Jesus refers to people as sheep. He uses that comparison because sheep need a shepherd because they're one of the dumbest animals on the planet. They have no real defense against a predator, and they can't run that fast. So they're essentially helpless against the wolves. But the shepherd can protect the sheep against the wolves, not just physically, but also using tactics to avoid the wolves altogether. So it becomes very important for the sheep to get to know and trust their shepherd. And Jesus being our shepherd, shepherds us in a way that if we're following him, he's going to show us how to avoid a lot of these pitfalls that destroy our marriage. So in marriage, we've been given a lot of instruction in the scriptures, specifically how to live our lives in general, but it all funnels into marriage too. We have the good shepherd ready to guide us. So the question is, are we going to take him seriously and seek wisdom and stay innocent? Or are we going to go astray and let the wolves devour us? And in marriage, there are many things that typically cause problems, but I want to focus on three that seem to be at the top of the list, money, sex, and respect. And there are other ones, but these are the three that I want to discuss because these are the three that I believe if you can nail all three of these down and address them and eliminate them, the rest will be a lot easier because these are difficult to overcome. Each of these three deserves a few hours to hammer out, but since I only have a few minutes, I'm just going to touch base on a few and encourage those that are listening that are interesting, dive into the scriptures and look at these things for yourself. You will find the wisdom that you're looking for and seek the Holy Spirit if you're dealing with these things that God would change your heart and change your spouse's heart. So I encourage everyone to study these topics in depth for themselves, come to a biblical understanding of each of them and knock it out of the ballpark. A good place to start are the books of wisdom in the middle of the Bible, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. We can glean a lot from these books, so that's where I want to focus primarily. So money. Let's look at Job. Job had a lot of money in the beginning. 
and he evidently used it wisely, allowing him to become even more wealthy. He was very powerful. We read in his story that he was responsible, he was godly, and he took his role as a godly man seriously. And it appears that he was also very generous with what he had. And he's a good example of a person that has money, but the money does not have them. Ecclesiastes 5.10, it says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. In other words, no matter how much money you got, it's never going to satisfy you. And this is a warning against the materialistic person whose love of money actually makes them miserable and greedy. And I've met people like that. Proverbs 11.7, when the wicked dies, his hope will perish. The expectation of wealth perishes too. So you're not taking it with you. Proverbs 28.22, a stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. I've seen people that throughout their lives, they're so set on making money, 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 and then their marriage ends up blowing up and they lose half of everything they have. And it's just a dumb road to go down. Ecclesiastes 5.19, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept this lot and rejoice in this toil, this is a gift of God. So if you have money and you have possessions, to be content with what you have and enjoy what you have, that's a gift from God. If you want to overcome money issues, become generous and begin seeing how you can use your money and the lives of other people to bless them. That's a big one. Don't be greedy. Be generous. And that flips a switch in your brain. I know that one because that happened to me. I was very stingy with money, trying to be responsible. But when I found that I could bless other people with money, man, it was very cool. Now moving on to sex. Proverbs 5.18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all time with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Yep, it happened back then too. That's a thousand years before Christ, roughly. Men and women have been entangled in adultery forever because we get focused on the wrong things. This is not just addressing the guy. It's for both. 1 Corinthians 7, 5, Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, this, in my opinion, is not a verse necessarily for a person to throw at their spouse when they're not in the mood. It's a verse that emphasizes the intimacy and the caring nature of the spouse wanting to bless one another, all the while in a relationship with God where you can devote yourself to prayer. That relationship with God is solid. And what Paul is saying here, in my opinion, is, look, make sure you're tending one another's needs, not just the physical need, but also the emotional need, because each person needs to have their needs met, and the needs are different between a husband and a wife. They're not the same. And to the one who wants sex all the time, rather than focus on the spouse's needs and doing what they can do to meet their needs, they just focus on their own needs. That's wrong. Sex is not a dumping ground for your lust. Sex is a way of becoming one with your spouse, meeting those needs. So learning your spouse's needs, learning how to address them, and not depriving them of those needs, I think that's what Paul is saying here. It's not just saying, hey, you need to have sex a lot. There's a whole lot more to it, in my opinion. And so where there is apathy for the spouse's needs, which is in a lot of marriages, there's a wide open door for Satan to come in and tempt and trash both of them in that marriage. We don't need any more sexual temptation in our marriage, and that can destroy us if we leave it unchecked. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 
If we refuse to resist the temptation, we may not be able to endure it. That's why it's important to be led by the Spirit. Let God guide us, not our own flesh, so we can endure these things. We can achieve victory through the power of the Holy Spirit, because we're limited in our own strength. And when we allow the devil to come in and start messing with our minds, and we don't resist that man, we can fall to temptation very quickly. So take care of each other's needs. Talk it out, pray about it, and be selfless in your sexual relationship instead of selfish. Not about you, it's about them. Moving on to respect. Marriage is crashing because of lack of respect. Usually the man feeling this because men need respect to feel love is really competing with money and sex up in those top three spots. With the lack of respect in our culture that's created a society of calloused minds who think nothing of disrespecting others, sometimes just for fun, and this can bleed into a marriage. And when a person feels disrespected, especially a man, that strikes at his core and makes him feel worthless. A person who continually disrespects their spouse is creating animosity between them that's hard to sweep under the rug. Eventually, something is going to have to give. And Paul instructs the Ephesian believers to walk in love, or in other words, living their lives, showing the love of God to one another. And that also includes the spouses. And as Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's husband and wife as well. And in Ephesians, Paul reinforces this concept for believers and how we are to live our lives. This is not just being a good witness. It's to be blameless before God in our character, which brings about a blessed life. And listen to what Paul says, and think about the disrespectful spouse or both spouses. Ephesians 5.17, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's huge. And do not be drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, or in other words, the fear of the Lord. And that's a fear of the Lord spoken so often throughout scriptures, knowing the Lord instills a healthy fear that we need so that we can stay within God's parameters and be that light he calls us to be. And so while there are other issues that can plague a marriage, no doubt, these seem to always rear their ugly head at some point in a marriage. And the antidote is our individual hearts being right with God so that we can please him. And when we seek to please him in whatever we do, Things just seem to work out better, even if the other spouse is the one being the jerk. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Philippians 2.3, build up your spouse in Christ and be a light to them. Trust in Jesus and obey the word, and you will find many of these issues can be overcome by simply loving your spouse as yourself. That whole concept of loving your neighbor as yourself, well, love your spouse as yourself. Don't be selfish, be selfless, and you'll be blessed. Thank you.